For March 15th, 2010, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, Episode 89, Wang Free Zone. Welcome to the Overthinking It Podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the left coast, with a god-awful cold, I am your host, Matt Waddle. Matt Waddle. It's like the Matt Damon puppet in Team America World Police, except I actually sound like that because my sinuses are impacted with, with adorable mucus. Uh, here with the panel to overthink many, many things, most of which are as yet strange to us. Uh, yet, but we're gonna we're gonna uh, <laughs> kick it off. We're gonna kick it off with this question: The world the is up before us. <laughs> <laughs> Where to choose our place of rest and Providence, our guide. Hopefully, Providence will be our guide or the chat room. Uh, where we have, uh, though our, our audience is smaller, maybe because I didn't Twitter or Facebook post about it. Uh, I forgot to because I was helping a friend move all day today. Uh, we still have some, some people in the chat room, and we will be checking in with them. You know that, that you can reliably count on us live streaming the show every Sunday, 6.15 p.m. Easter, uh, Pacific, 9.15 p.m. Eastern, don't you? I thought you did. And you know that if you want to participate outside the hours that we're live streaming, you can email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com or call 203-285-6401. Don't you? That's what I thought. I thought you did. So following on from uh, Matthew Belinke's post this week about the end of cult movies, I like a provocative title with a question mark at the end, you know? It would be, you know, right? Like, it's like uh, Barack Obama, secret Muslim. (laughs) Angelina and Brad breaking up for real. (laughs) Uh, Overthinking at podcast, entirely filler. (laughs) (laughs) There's no question mark there. (laughs) Hey, look, Um, 99% of the American diet is filler. So we're we're part of the solution. (laughs) And that and high fructose corn. We are the processed corn product of entertainment. (laughs) I I think of us, rather than being gasoline, we're like the ethanol of podcasts. (laughs) If that were true, we'd be reaping in millions of dollars in government subsidies. And we all know. That's know, not and we'd be, true. And so we'd the analogy ends there. And we'd be using more energy to produce the podcast than we actually generate energy in doing the podcast. Uh, That's almost that certainly I, true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Our download numbers are pretty good. Um, all right. So, uh, so what is your favorite question of the week? What is your favorite bit of cult pop culture, cult entertainment? Uh, hey, oh, we have a woman on the show tonight. That's fantastic. Uh, Yay, what? awesome. Special guest Natalie Baseman has been, uh, has been promoted to uh, uh, recurring character, Natalie Baseman, and we are glad to have her on the show tonight. Natalie, favorite piece of pop culture. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I am super glad to be here again. Yay. Uh, yay. So for my pop cult culture item um i'm going to harken back to middle school uh for my best friend's 13th birthday party her parents took us into cambridge uh, massachusetts to see rocky horror picture show at midnight (laughs) does that even count though (laughs) 
as a as a cult. Thing? Well, I, I think well going back to Belinsky's post. Mark, it's uh, the Church of Latter Day Saints of cults. <laughs> like, it's, it's really right, got around. Second. Sorry, I, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, Natalie, I'm sorry to hijack you, but I think we need to agree on a common definition of cult. Uh-oh, sure. semantics, semantic rabbit hole. Here we go. That's okay. all right, go ahead. Because one of the things I was thinking about was like this um, part of it being hard to find. In other words, you can't go to the Blockbuster and get your copy of Rocky Horror. You had to like trade a bootleg tape of it or something like that, which was definitely the case with something oh. like the Star Wars Christmas special. Um, but, you know, by that definition, you know, it doesn't quite apply to Rocky Horror. Obviously, in the in the broader definition of you know a, a a piece of pop culture with narrow but very intense appeal, then obviously it meets that definition. So, and are we Ed going Vamp, with both of those? Then Ed Vamp in the chat room agrees with you. What Mark is saying is that no true cultsman would uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, would do, no t- do. no true Transylvania transvestite. Now, I, I got to stick up for Natalie here because this was going to be my choice. And so on behalf of myself and of her, I'll, 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 uh, you know, I'll defend the female on this podcast against your, your ravenous and rapacious attacks. Um, it's, uh, it, she's talking about actually going to the theater at midnight and seeing it performed live with you know, stripping and nudity and, and innuendos right. and weird people touching you in the crotch, which is kind of traumatic when you're 13 and was traumatic and also very exciting when I was 13. 13 uh, is traumatic when, you're, when I was 18 when I saw that for the first time. <laughs> I'm going to stand up for Natalie and say that we should let her finish her story. Uh, uh, sure. Stopping all over. Oh, Pete. Um, oh. No, you can all you can all brush right into me. No, and I'm glad you brought that up too because um, I don't actually know if I have anything else besides that that I've really gotten into that is so cultish and so kind of hidden. I think besides Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was 13 and made me so uncomfortable and then made me used to being really uncomfortable. Uh, I think I've stayed pretty much, I don't know, not on the, not towards more obvious pop culture, but in high school I got into ska music really, really deeply, but, and I knew weird things about that and that I wrote essays on it as extra credit in chorus class, but other than that, just kind of weird interest in something that isn't so off the beaten path. I don't know if I, if I've really gotten so much into into cultish culture i guess well fair enough i mean not everyone you know not everyone has the time to dub those grateful dead cassettes i guess well i mean Mm -hmm. i think part of the problem the issue also is that it's become a lot harder Mm -hmm. to define what cultish culture is because we have all these microcultures. and i think it would be natalie um might be especially hard for us because, I mean, we're at a theater where we're putting on shows that are seen by, like, you know, sometimes 20 people. I mean, up, you know, it goes up from there. But, like, if you're, if you're working on real sort of local entertainment and local creativity, um, that's so more niche than cult status is that it's, like, how popular does it have to be until it qualifies as having a cult following, right? Versus, like, how, whether, what is, if this is just, like, something that somebody is doing. Like, does that make sense? Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so like um, a great example of this was uh, one of the re- one of the things that got um, 
Belinky and, and I really jazzed when we were living in New York was this small comedy show called uh, uh, Gigantic Tuesday Night of Amazing Inventions and also there is a game by the brilliant but uh, not much known comedian Andre Dubouchet. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I would go there and just laugh my, my took us off every week for hours. Um, does it qual- it, it was in like Time Out New York as like a really great place to go on a Tuesday night. Like it had audiences sometimes. Um, did it, ha- it wasn't really a cult following, really, but at the same time, it felt to me like something that was outside of the mainstream that I was really into that had a certain energy behind it. So it's like, how how big does it have to be? Um, uh, uh, you know, um, I want to say that's what she said, but it doesn't quite work. But uh, how big does it have to be? That's it's called. Well, right. it has to have a fan club in which the presidency is contested. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can use Foursquare. If there's like the mayor of the of a particular site switches back and forth more than two or three times, then you know that a place has a cult following. Yeah. Um, cool. 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 Hmm. Well, I there are th- I'm, This is getting me thinking about other things, like where I would uh, pick to be my Foursquare mayorship of. That's not a sentence. That's all right. Why did uh, you say that? Why did you say that? Well, let's 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 add that information to this. If you could be the four square mayor of anything <laughs> in the universe, what would it be? And then what would it be? One, yeah. Well, I think I I think my same answer is uh, for the same answer that I would give to the uh, I have yelped a restaurant uh, in Edinburgh, Scotland that no one else has yelped. And I I don't know if it's just because it really hasn't caught on there. I lived there for um, almost a year. And and so I really got into this raw vegan place when I wasn't raw vegan and just because of their chocolate. So, and I would go there diligently and no one else would be there. So would that be considered cultish? But I don't know if anyone else has caught on to it yet. Does it does it just like appear there every like hundred or thousand years? I think um, the vegans are a cult. Is it in a gloaming of some sort? Is that why? Could that be it? <laughs> is veganism yeah. a cult? I don't know. I, I would actually say so. I was a ve- I wasn't a raw vegan. I was a vegan for a year, and it. I never felt like I fit in because I I I'm a vegetarian now and was a vegan for reasons that more had to do with um, I studied food safety and it grossed me out uh, more so than I care anything about animals. Um, yeah, besides that, guys. I think they're adorable. But uh, but yeah, it was really weird. People who are vegan really really get into it, and you go on. Um, online on different blog sites and discussion forums and people basically just spend all day yelling at each other on why they should be vegan and even if you already are and you should do it for all of the particular reasons that they state usually having to do with animals isn't uh, but but isn't the people yelling at each other the main reason you make dinner in the first place so you can all like sit down as a family and take out experiences <laughs> on one another. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be all vegetables, yeah. or else everyone gets angry. Um, Rocky Horror, but yeah, that's and, and vegan. The Rocky Horror Cult <laughs> and the vegan cult. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's, uh, which is an interesting next... Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. Right. Actually, more overlap than you think, probably. There is a crime that has been that has been committed right now, which is that we have been doing the question now for like a good solid five minutes, and it has not gotten to me yet. And this, <laughs> I mean, even though I've talked, 
this is uh, this is if, if Natalie had were not somebody I was a huge fan of, I would be I would be swinging haymakers and and throwing rabbit punches at this point. Hey, Skip him uh, rather the one go straight to Mark. Go straight to Mark. Yes, I was waiting for you to give me my proper introduction. What? Oh, oh, oh do I have to do everything around here? Yes, you do. Have yes, to do. you do. Hold on Moving a minute. Let me finish my, my mashed potatoes. Mr. You Peter try so hard. From his well, how could you? dank basement in Cambridge, it's <laughs> Peter Fetzel in his... Oh, I thank you for that gracious introduction, Matt. In his dimly lighted lair, wherein... <laughs> No Gosh, women tar- dare tread. It's <laughs> Pete. This is the podcast where we all finally like let it all out. Is that what this is? This is like well, it's all on the line. It's like we've been, we've been Sorry, in dude. dank, dark rain for like three days or whatever. We're tired. We're sick. We're you know this is this is this is the real deal. It's time for us to stop being polite and start getting start real. getting real. So the let's most- all sit down over a nice table of tabbouleh and hummus and talk it out. <laughs> um, you know, it, I think the, that vegan food creates an imbalance in your humor such that your natural <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> the surface. Um, okay, so cult stuff. So I would give if two you're answers not to answer, the question. I'm just going to move on to the next person. Wait, what? I don't get to answer? I said if you're not going to. No, I'll answer it right now. I'll answer it right now. Favorite cult movie is Dragnet. Um, with the, with the, what are they called? Um, the goat people. Uh, have you seen the Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd dragnet movie? I have um, not. Pagan. They're called Pagan. Speaking of vegans, they're called Pagan. Um, and, and it's run by Christopher Plummer and it's an evil cult. Uh, and it's a, it's a sort of takeoff on dragon. But no, 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 that's just about cults. Um, probably the thing that fits in the wheel box of cult that I follow the most, um, is I follow sca- certain scanlations. Um, I, I'm right now, actually, before the podcast is going, uh, reading the scanlation of the 105th chapter of Full Metal Alchemist, which I've talked about on the show before. Um, and I don't know, because it's a show that's like legitimately quite popular um, in Japan, but in the United States, it's sort of an anime nerd thing, you know, and people watch it on TV, and, and you know, people sometimes read the comic books. So it, I guess that's another institute, institution, uh, institution in, incidents where cultishness gets interestingly defined. Is it popular... Um, well, how would a how would a literary critic put it, Matt? Like a circle of readership, like within the group of people that you consume media with, that sets up the context for how you consume media or understand texts. Um, something can be defined as cult, whereas not cult in a different circle of readership. Does that is that a proper term, or am I using the wrong one? Uh, am I the guy to ask? I don't know. Oh, I, yeah, I only asked you because you know more about literary criticism than I think Mark does. But dubious, I mean, Mark is well answered. A, d- a dubious honor. But it, fair enough. Oh, at any rate, there's this theory that if you know, there's there's a given people that have given groups they have consensus over how to interpret a given text uh, that's based on their relationships with each other and sort of how they agree on and conduct discourse. Um, so that's yeah, part of the that's idea. Reader response criticism. Yeah, response criticism. So, so in a framework of reader response criticism, that's cult. But in a sort of more absolute sense, if you're looking for something where behind the veil of ignorance, right behind the Rawlsian veil of ignorance, we don't know who we are in the world when we decide to classify this particular entertainment. We don't know what our perspective is going to be. Um, then it's not cult because it's a television show and a comic book in Japan that has millions of people who watch it and read it, and it's done by Enix or Square Enix, which is not by any means a small company. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the other stuff, the comedy shows, you know, the long form improv. Um, I'm a Catholic. Like, that's kind of a cult, sort of. Sure. Um, <laughs> the human side. But, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, you know, whatever. Dude. Me too. So yeah, so I mean, that's that's my answer to the question: is Pagan is the best cult led by Christopher Plummer and uh, <laughs> the Goathead? Um, although actually, the the cult of the snake of Set in Conan uh, Conan the Barbarian is also pretty awesome. That's a good cult. The cult in uh, the cult of uh, Kali in you know. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is okay, and the um, the cult in which they do mummifications, live mummifications, uh, in Young Indiana Jones is also a pretty mm-hmm. terrifying cult. I have to say. Yeah, and if I had to be mayor of somewhere in Foursquare, I would pick the Andromeda Galaxy for for two reasons. One, because I could put all the tips about Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda there, so people <laughs> who tried to visit the Andromeda Galaxy would have to read about like, hey, like watch out for for that Nietzschean. Uh, he can't be trusted, um, and and uh, and the other reason is that in what a billion years or something like that. I mean, I'm just making that number up. I know it's going to happen at some point in the future. Um, the Andromeda Galaxy is going to collide with our galaxy, um, at which point um, uh, the Andromeda Galaxy will become proximate in everybody's four square feeds, and as such, like I will, it'll be it's like a buy low, sell high situation. Like by racking up a lot of visits now, in the future, everyone will be visiting the Andromeda Galaxy. So. Um, so that so if I score a lot of points over the course of the next billion years, it'll be really hard for someone to take the mayorship away from me. Oh hey, I have to I have to jump in and correct myself. Uh, Ed Vamp uh, gave me a well actually in the chat room. Uh, I said Young Indiana Jones, which is a different. I'm talking about Young Sherlock Holmes, not Young Indiana Jones. Uh, young Sherlock Holmes is a uh, uh, was a Steven Spielberg movie, and Young Indiana Jones was I guess a Steven Spielberg television show. Um, like tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, it's Mr. Mark Lee. That's me. Apparently, I have there are four questions at play now. First is uh, best favorite depiction of a cult in pop culture. The second is favorite piece of cult pop culture, which is kind of mainstream. The third is favorite piece of cult pop culture that at some point was very difficult to find. And the last, where you want to be the mayor of in, in Forest Square. Do I got that right? <laughs> All four questions at play. Okay. And add one. And you add one at the end. I know. I don't think I'm able to do that. Question number one. Favorite depiction of a cult in pop culture? Definitely Scientology and all various um, periodic descriptions thereof, including, don't forget, Mindhead in the classic Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin movie, uh, Bowfinger. Very underrated but excellent comedy. That's a great cult right there. Scientology. Look them up. Um, They'll help you reduce your stress, from what I understand. Um, Favorite piece of uh, cult pop culture that is kind of mainstream? Um, that, I think Army of Darkness qualifies for this, right? And, yeah, um, yeah, and Natalie, sure. you've been to Scotland, so I think you could tell, and Edinburgh, so I think you could probably tell us what a true Scotsman is like. Um, but that's maybe a t- <laughs> subject for another, po- for another podcast. But that, like, uh, Army of Darkness definitely had this, like, feel of, like, I got this, my friend's, hey, I got this, my friend has this grainy VHS tape copy of Army of Darkness, and we're all going to get together, you know, late at night and, uh, you know, watch, like, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness in a row together. That had a very cultish feel to it. And afterwards, we were, of course, always quoting it to each other. Um, then and now. Um, I still do. Hail to the King, baby. Um, so that's my favorite piece of uh, sort of mainstream pop culture. My, piece, my favorite piece of obscure cult pop culture would definitely have to be Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Which Belinka <laughs> actually introduced to me. And, and Pete, we probably watched it at, uh, at your place back when you were living with Belinky. Yeah. Um, Notoriously difficult find to find back in the day because Kiss, not surprisingly, tried to suppress its existence because it was so awful. Um, but I will share one line from the movie, um, which they uh, they had to fight a clone Kiss uh, band, an evil clone Kiss band. And uh, Gene Simmons at the end, deadpan, says they tried to kill Kiss by being Kiss. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. 
They tried to kill Kiss by being Kiss. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's like Ron Silver in Time Cop. Uh, it is exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, the last answer to the four-part questions of the week. Where would like to be Mario of in Foursquare? The answer to that question is the new Chipotle that's opening up around the corner from my office. Um, because I love Chipotle and it's right by my office. I want to eat there as, as often as possible. And that's where I want to be the mayor of Foursquare. No so doubt. There. No doubt you will soon. Finally, Mr. Josh McNeil. So I can't answer really any of these questions. First of all, I have no idea what Foursquare is. <laughs> it's an iPhone uh, app. Aside from you... a game that I was bad at when I was seven. It's an iPhone app that, uh, that people um, stalk you with. Oh. I recommended it to you. Oh, that's several a great times. idea. You you refused to use up. it. Yes, Four it's it, it is it's, it's it's made by a, 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 a an interesting California startup called Skynet. <laughs> it's so, a social networking application that integrates Twitter with a sort of Google Map search for businesses, so that you can check in to, to businesses, restaurants, bars that are nearby to you in in sort of the GPS of your phone. Um, and as such, like score points for visiting them, show your friends where you've been, brag about it, and also uh, share sort of tips about what the place is like, whether or not to go, so that there's um, information on your environment uh, that you can access through the system. So I buy an application that allows me to then advertise for businesses in my area. No, they give it to you for free. Oh, okay. But you buy a phone, and then you it, give them your ah. information, your personal information, which is worth something. All right. Fungible, I guess. Well, in that case, I want to be mayor of um, the small bodega that's got rats in it around the corner of my house. I think there's a lot of interesting people going there. I want people to know that I'm one of them. Um, Have you seen the rats? What? Have you seen the rats? I have seen the rats. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. One one buys only prepackaged food at this bodega. Um the uh, the the sort of thing I'm into that that not a lot of people are, and that you still have to you can't just sort of find immediately on the internet is Zydeco music. Uh, after the '04 election, I went down and spent a couple weeks in New Orleans trying to knocking on doors and trying to help um, win a runoff campaign. And I was in Thibodeau uh, and ended up dancing with some locals like every night and really got into it. And there's still like you can get sort of time life Zydeco classics. Uh, are sort of readily available, but everything else you have to dig a little bit deeper, uh, and it's worth doing. It's a lot of fun. Um, but perhaps most interestingly, I was actually someone tried to recruit me into a real live cult uh, two weeks ago. Um, I was at a a charity concert at this uh, place, and it was kind of a weird place. And they'd asked us to uh, to sing a couple of odd hymns, and we did. And then afterwards, they come up to us, and uh, this sort of guy who's very like. He actually sounded exactly like Troy McClure tried to convince me that angels uh, had brought me to this place to meet him and to continue my dialogue directly with the angels, um, at which point I fled. But, uh, you know, there, it's uh, – <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a really – we were in a medieval castle in, uh, in New Jersey. And, if you select uh, run, you don't get any experience points, man. Yeah, yes, I know. I really <laughs> yeah, you go talk to the angels. Like you should go do that so you can level up. Yeah. Is this medieval castle often used for LARPing and such? 
No, no, it's not that like, kind of medieval castle. No, it's the it's the the cult itself owns this castle. Mm. You're the cult of the castle, the king yeah. of the castle. Exactly. Well, they're missing out on an excellent business opportunity renting it out to LARPers. It's true for LARPing purposes. That is. <laughs> Yes. Uh, okay, I think I'm last. I am. I am mayor of six places in Foursquare. I think Ooh, one, wow. is, one is my graduate school. Uh, <laughs> it's not fair. It's cheating. <laughs> no, it's not. It's open to the public a, a lot of the time. And um, oh, what else? I you know what else am I the mayor of? I think like the market that I go to a lot, but. Uh, Let's see. My favorite. You see, I was going to go with Rocky Horror Picture Show as well, but uh, I have to say, my my favorite piece of cult media is uh, this video. Th- this video I made of my me and my my Satan worshiping cohort killing a cat. Uh, that's my favorite piece of cult media. Like pro, really killing a cat. Pro cult media, right? Well, yeah, in our robes and, you know, the pentagram and, you know, candles burning all around the room <laughs> oh. and like, you know, we're, we're, we're chanting in Latin the whole time. No, I'm, I'm making it up. I, I don't have, I'm, I, I have mainstream <laughs> And then, and then on the screen in big impact lettering, it says, I can open the gateway. <laughs> I, uh, Are you also reading scanlations of Full Metal Alchemist? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Sorry, that's a Full Metal Alchemist joke. The only um. the only thing I ever did was was make a lot of like dubs of Tori Amos, uh, you know, live shows when I was thirteen and was really into that kind of thing, and uh, you know, share them with people because they were very meaningful to me, and I had I had to have other people know about them. Mm. Well, can we take? Okay, so. None of us really have sort of intense love of anything that sort of sort of like what Blinky was talking about in his article. Though so I'd say, and I'd for say me, there's all, a, well, Blinky was a special case. I mean, he was talking about he was talking yeah. in that article. He was talking about his time in college. You know, when he would go to the independent video store. You know, where where the the like comic book guy esque, um, you know. Uh, people, why? Why do we? As a digression, why do we ascribe such mystical powers to video store clerks? I guess we assume they've seen all the movies and know much more about it. I, I remember one time Blinky and I were were watching some some videos together, and we put together a uh, a double bill of the Hudsucker Proxy and Starship Troopers. And the video guy uh, looked up at us and said, "Ah, good double feature." And for <laughs> wait, wait, what's, what's, the, what's felt, the connection for us who aren't getting that? Uh, there is no connection. We just thought they were they were two good movies <laughs> with a decent a decent contrast. Uh, you know, the Hudsucker Proxy is sort of comical and and zany and fast moving, and um, and the uh, the other one uh, uh, is Starship Troopers. And the, <laughs> and and we you know we were so proud that like we had a warm glow the whole night as we were you know watching that movie. With those two movies and you know getting drunk in college or what you know whatever it is that we did back then uh anyway so why do we you know but uh a we don't have time on our hands anymore the way we did in the period that he he was discussing in his article uh so that's that's one thing um b we uh you know, we can get everything on the internet and, and see, there's a different, we have a different relationship to niche culture now. Um, 
I guess I guess it was part of his article that like that sort of sense of lament that you don't have to work for it anymore. But now, you know, now like you know about I don't know furries. For example, right? <laughs> like, I wish I didn't. Yeah, but like you, you know about them. The, uh, the wait, what do you uh, know? Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Where to find them? Like how fast they can run? Stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> the names and addresses. Um, Whether they'll take a corn cob from underneath a box that's propped up by a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I know all sorts of things about furries. <laughs> I, I have their pelts. I have I have a I have a furry moose head that used to be a yeah, the head so, off a know. moose costume. Exactly um, on my wall. Right. So, so our, our relationship to niche culture has has changed in that like it's now kind of a mark of pride or like a mark of a lot of time spent on the internet that um uh, that we've all, you know, been to a lot of different websites. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so I, so you're saying we've been to a lot of websites. Are the websites cult followings now? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm confused. confused. Yeah, like is over, does overthinking have a cult following? I no, hope I so. so. I mean, I, I've been sending out ca- pamphlets to robes for people to wear and candles. I mean, I hope that it's been yeah. out there. No, we have a mainstream. We're a mainstream website. We, you know, we talk about movies and stuff. You know, we we, but the, we talk about. You can still have a cult following to it. I think how I think of cult following is that it's you have an an unnaturally close connection to something that doesn't have the connection back with you. So it's almost like a one-way relationship. And I think you can have that to a podcast because if you're listening to a group of people over and over again, week after week, and you're not talking back, um, it creates that one-way relationship that you can then Get attached to. So if in you do a want to talk back, podcast at overthinking it dot com two zero three two eight five six four zero one, or hop in the chat room here during the live stream. But yeah, fair yeah. enough. But Natalie, that that applies equally well to um, like soap operas or something like that. You know, you know what I mean? Like where, where people get get oddly uh, hooked on daytime soaps, right? Well, but don't people mm-hmm. do that with mainstream stuff too? Like, don't people really love like uh, Justin Bieber and he doesn't love them back because he doesn't know who they are? Um, like, and is that, is that, that doesn't qualify as a cult following at all, right? Because that's just like a lot of people doing the same thing. Well, an interesting, an interesting sort of place that it, or a group that, that f- is on the line here is the, the Joss Whedon fans, right? Yeah, they're, yeah, like, yeah. They're mainstream. There are hundreds of thousands of them. But they're so dedicated to him that I, I was just reading something that said there's some new sci fi show in the works. And its chances of actually getting an audience just skyrocketed because they cast Summer Glau, right? And she's in; she's like part of the the Joss Whedon canon. So, like, just because they cast a for an actor who once worked with Joss Whedon, they expect the the numbers on this show to start a lot higher than they would have otherwise. Like, that's that's a cult, right? That's a group of people who are sort of unreasonably dedicated to. A creator and his works, and I'm like I'm one of them. I can't. I'm not. I'm not dissing them, but it's sort of like. Hold on. A second. Are they a cult, or are there too many of them to be a cult? I guess. Right. How? How? Like. Like. For, like now. Now I'm going to take this in a different direction. How? How's it? We gotten this far in this conversation talking about 
insanely dedicated fans without talking about Twilight. Is that not the definition of the modern cult following? Well, it's the the biggest opening weekend for a movie ever. How is that a cult following? In that it is uh, extremely slavishly devoted and uh, in a kind of marginalized kind of way. How is it marginalized? Every woman in the freaking planet loves Twilight. <laughs> I mean, I guess in the sense that women are marginalized. Because they have haters? Because they, oh, they have haters? No, is that, that's not, that's not that a good what it is? So all you have to do to be a cult is have women. So that, actually, that's a good question, because I think that that is the, cl- the closest to the core of the use of the word cult in non-pop culture context. Is just, it's just a pejorative way of talking about a belief system, right? Like, it's like, I don't like them. They're a cult. It's very hard to find really hard, definitive differences between cults and religions. And, of course, a lot of people say, well, all religions are cults. Like, I'm angry. I'm on the Internet, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, no, cult is a pejorative word used for something that you don't like, right? Um, sure. Now, in culture, it's, it's, um, it's not necessarily insulting, I guess, right? Because, like, you could say, oh, it has a cult following and I'm excited to be part of it. But you are setting yourself up with sort of a persecution complex. Like, other people don't like this. I like this. That makes me special. Um, Right, like sort of like like Serbia. Um, <laughs> no, never mind. Um, yeah, like like so. I guess is that really what the heart of the matter is? And are we sort of that Monty Python, Life of Brian, Judean people's front scene now, where it's like I'm on this team and I'm on this team, and it's apparent to any outside observer that really you just have a highly fractured and, and devolved uh, political system, you know, and uh, or in this case, like artistic system of artistic qualification well, and evaluation. Well, let's go back to the Joss Whedon thing. Then is there that persecution persecution complex? With being a Josh Wheaton fan, Josh, do you feel persecuted for liking Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Um, you know, not anymore. Not since the 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 torture ended and the the pogrom. <laughs> um, it's uh, no, it's no, never really. It's like, of course not. Um, there's you know, pogrom too soon for the pogrom. Soon. <laughs> Sorry. Um, for Christ's sake. Anyway, um, the. Uh, but I, I mean, no, I don't think there's like a, a great stigma to it, other than just being sort of a nerd, um, which you know nowadays carries less uh, less stigma than it did even ten years ago. We've sort of embraced the nerd as a culture, right? Um, so, but let me let me bring another example out then. Uh, the the legions of Jonas Brothers fans. Would we call that a cult? Well, no, because that's mainstream popular culture, right? I mean, yeah. you might call it a cult if you want to say that you don't like them, but like. Isn't that just I mean, well, like a whole lot of children? Well, let's go back to Twilight. We said it's mainstream, but because of the persecution complex, we are currently saying it may be a cult. No, I don't. Or they never say that the Jonas Brothers. They are mainstream, and there's not that similar persecution complex. No, I want to persecute the Twilight people. Like that's that's my relationship. <laughs> with the persecution it's like I'm the persecutor. Like I'm Diocletian. Like I have the lions, and they are coming out after the Twilight people. Um, like that, that. In that circumstance, I don't really care whether they're called a cult or not, except in so far as much as it serves my nefarious goals. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, let's ask. Let's ask the woman who probably likes Twilight, Natalie. What do you think about <laughs> Twilight? I have. Uh, I have not read or uh, seen a single Twilight uh, book or movie. But I, but, but I, are you on Team Edward or Team Jacob? I think we need um, to make her prove the negative. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I'm. I honestly didn't have an interest in it and i still don't and the thing is i was a huge buffy fan and i i would totally say i was team joss whedon and i've phased away from that and and i'm not quite sure what what the turning point was of it and it could have just been age but i was totally into buffy and angel and 
uh, Firefly and I started watching Dollhouse and then just lost interest. And I'm not quite sure what that was. But I think that the... I think a lot of the persecution that comes for Twilight fans and for Jonas Brothers fans might just be the age difference because they're it, it they're mostly preteens and we are in our twenties or so. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> well, I'm in my twenties. I'm in my early twenties. So it's it. I just feel like. That's where I'm coming from judging the uh, the Jonas Brothers fans and the Twilight fans. If you're 13 through even 17, if you're 17 and under and that's what you're really into, I'm not about to go judge someone for it because I was making my Buffy scrapbooks and dragging my dad to sci-fi convention. Uh, there was only one, so a sci-fi convention and all that but that was when I was in middle school. So I feel like I would have a much a much more harsh judgment on someone our age who is taking Twilight seriously. And I have friends who have read the books and will uh, uh, josh about it and really and will pretend, well, not even pretend, but say, oh, Edward Cullen. Mm. But they're also just doing it with a grain of salt because it's creepy. Hey, can we make Team Ahab T-shirts? Like, I'm on. Team, I want him to kill the whale. Like, I'm on Team Team Ahab, and then we can other people make Team Moby T-shirts, where it's like <laughs> whale. Like, can we sell them on if, the we, if we can come up with an illustration of a dreamy Captain Ahab. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you think it's going to be more difficult to get a dreamy Captain Ahab than a dreamy Moby Dick. <laughs> 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 well, so that, that that begs an interesting question, right? Um, the we're talking about like s- pieces of culture which have like small devoted followings. At this point, don't things like Moby Dick and other classics sort of count? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, the, in terms of the number of people who've read cultist, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. Or like the number of people who've read the Iliad and like really love the Iliad is probably smaller than almost any other group we've talked about tonight. I don't and know. Like, there aren't that many people who read Full Metal Alchemist scanlations, <laughs> but I, I, I right, guess well, well, yours is the exception that proves the rule, Pete. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah, you know, no, I can just start scanlating uh, the Iliad. I, I don't. Sorry. What's, well, well, actually, I'd like to refer you to my post about the phrase uh, exception that proves the rule. Okay, thank you. Continue now. Well, I am right now Googling like mad because I want to know if anybody has any idea how many copies of Moby Dick were sold in 2009. Uh, um, (laughs) Those those numbers are probably kind of skewed because don't kids read it in school still? I feel like if there's if there's a required reading factor to it, um, there will be some kind of following, but it's going to be partially forced. Yeah. Well, like, no one's are partially forced. Like most cults have an element of coercion in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing, no one forced me to sit down and watch Buffy every every week. Right. That was that was totally on my own volition. Yeah, there. But when you go to the you know when you go to the the 
convention, you know, JossCon or whatever it's called, right? Like, you know, and you're made to, I'll bet there's all kinds of Kool-Aid you're made to drink at JossCon. Is there an actual JossCon? I don't know. I think there are Whedon conventions. There are also Whedon academic conferences. Why aren't we there? I was forced to watch cult movies. I was forced to watch cult movies, but maybe that was just because I hung out with all you guys. (laughs) And I didn't have much of a choice. The Crippled Masters was where I drew the line. I didn't want to watch The Crippled Masters. I had to walk away. But all the other ones, I mean, some of those were voluntary and some of them weren't. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. There was a movie that I kind of didn't want to watch after a while, but I felt like it was uh, not entirely voluntary. From your homeland, of course, Mark. Um, Not Alabama, but Korea. And the saddest movie that I'd seen in a while. That's my um, people. That's how they roll. Yeah. Here, here's an idea. Maybe the reason that the word cult doesn't really resonate with us all that much is because I feel like it has a certain implication of salaciousness. That, that cult movies and cult books and cult, um, and cult music, or if music has a cult following, there has to be something that's sort of forbidden and racy about it in order for it to be mm. cult. Like if I wanted to think about the, the real examples of cult, like trauma. Right. And like, you know, John Waters and like and like stuff like that. It definitely makes me think there's something. So the main reason that it isn't in the mainstream is because it's either too sexual or too gory or gross. Or there's something about it that that deliberately keeps it out of the social mainstream. And the issue with that is that nowadays the social mainstream is much, much more permissive. And there are so many more legitimized (laughs) niches that you don't have. Like trauma doesn't have to hide. Like trauma would love it if the new Toxic Avenger movie like got mentioned on CNN. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not entirely out of the question because CNN will talk about anything that you pay them to talk about. So like, I mean, you have to know the right people and all the other stuff. But like, it's not like, you know, there's not this sort of, um, this, this like the moral authority around these things has has fragmented, uh, and so if things that are obscure, things that are racy are not necessarily obscure because they are racy. So if something is obscure and racy, it may not be obscure because it is racy, and therefore the term cult, which I think does imply this sort of like forbiddenness, doesn't really apply to it. But that was just that's that's my that's my sort of main. Uh, my main sort of like conclusion of, of what I'm thinking about on the matter is that we find difficulty finding it because now like, you know, let me smell your dick is like a mainstream song that like you hear about from people. <laughs> and it's not in fact something that like someone hands you a bootleg of, you know what I mean? Um, you know, so. Yeah. And that brings us back to Rocky horror. Right. And the whole transsexual from tra- Transylvania. Well, that, thing, that right? is true. That is something that I'll buy that the culture has changed around Rocky horror. So that, um, uh, so that it's not edgy as once it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think like, it's time. I think it's okay. time to move on. Uh, though Arglock in the uh, chat room is asking: Is a cult uh, class? Is a is a cult following distinguished from a guilty pleasure? Uh, how is it, how 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 would we distinguish between those two things? Mm. Like uh, if I if I like Rocky Horror and go to it, uh, well, I'd say this that I actually I I would I would say that most of my guilty pleasures are things whose shoddy construction, uh, whose shoddy you know um, craftsmanship I openly acknowledge. Uh, whereas Rocky Horror, I think, is a pretty damn good movie uh, in certain ways. Oh, that's a whole topic for another time. We had- I, would, I would argue that, that a, a guilty pleasure is something you don't really want to talk about, whereas a cult is something you want to talk to everyone about. And also, there's no requirement that yeah. anybody else like the guilty pleasure that you like. Like, you can be the only person who likes something and be, have it be a guilty pleasure, but one person is not, consul- con- not a cult-following make. 
Like, so when I go to Redbox and I rent some crappy Buster Rhymes movie, like I talked about last time, or, you know, surrogates, which, like, nobody saw, um, uh, I mean, that's not a cult thing. It is a guilty pleasure to watch it. I mean, if it's pleasurable. Uh, like like Ultraviolet, which I was watching on the treadmill today. Like, that thing was a piece of garbage. Um, if I were to have enjoyed more of it, I would call it a guilty pleasure. But I don't think it has a cult following, because even the people who have fairly low standards for futuristic, Aeonflux-influenced, vampire, techno, unrealistic, like, computer-generated action flicks, uh, even the people who like that genre think it's crap. So, I don't know. Hey, if anybody a, in the chat room wants to argue about Ultraviolet and whether it's good or bad or exists even as a movie, like, go. I'm not going to take uh, on Ultraviolet, but I will. It's a movie, it's, but it's beyond the visible spectrum of light, so it's a movie you can't actually see. Uh, no, it's amazing. It's like, like the, there's no plausibility in the action sequences in Ultraviolet. Like, none. Like, she's riding a motorcycle at a helicopter that is firing a Gatling gun at her from 20 yards away, and it can't hit her. And then she, like, jumps out. She, like, jumps off a building on the motorcycle and is like shoots in both directions at once, kills everybody inside the helicopter that everyone is shooting at her from like two feet away, and then jumps off of it and goes to the other side. And it doesn't make any sense. Like when she rides the motorcycle up around walls, I guess it's sort of futuristic. But like <laughs> the scene where like he, she, she like what? You just don't understand because you're not a woman. Oh, I think it just. Sorry, I didn't know that Ultraviolet was a movie for women. Most <laughs> movies in which Mila Jovovich shows her belly button are not women movies. <laughs> but that maybe I'm wrong on this. One. Maybe, hey, no, you're right. maybe you're saying what you're saying is that all women have the ability to dodge thousands of rounds a minute from a Gatling gun. They just choose not to use it. Um, exactly. Well, this just shows uh, I don't really understand how women work. If only somebody like Mel Gibson would make a movie to teach me how women think. <laughs> Maybe it'll well, have a you know, if you if you want to know how women think, you might want to go on chat roulette. <laughs> no, that's not, not a good place for that actually. Because basically, they, they think no, they the don't other want segue to... we had about, about it was better. Rather, the other segue we had was better. What I know was you're the going other segue. With. It came speaking up you, well, after the, speaking touched... of the smell my dick song. <laughs> <laughs> no, See, no. The what way was you the other? How women think by going on like, chat roulette after... is you leave chat roulette, and that's how women think. No, no Pete true. mentioned Mila Jovovich's belly button. I think you were going to say, speaking of exposing parts of your body. Oh, oh. okay. Speaking <laughs> of exposing parts of your body, speaking of the Smell My Dick song, speaking of moving on to the next topic, let's talk about chat roulette. Again. Again. But we've been on. <laughs> we've been, at least yeah. some of us have been on now. Yeah. Now, Pete, before we started recording, you said that chat roulette is, uh, is best as a shared experience. Yes, I had a mu- I've gone on it myself and with my roommate, and it was so much more fun with my roommate um, because you can make fun of the people that you're looking at before you next them uh, and after you next them. <coughs> and also, if somebody sees two people, they're much less likely to think that you're in there stroking yourself. Um, and also, like, you're generally, like, looking social and smiling, and it's kind of sad to look at a picture of you sitting there by yourself. Like, people don't forget this when they talk about chat roulette. A lot of the experience of chat roulette is looking at yourself. It's pretty much the only thing I do on the computer where I look at pictures, like, video that I'm taking of myself while I'm doing it, um, which is really not that much fun because I'm just sitting here at my, ta- at my desk, you know? Like, and as Matt has said, you know, in his righteous vengeance against me for badgering him earlier like i live in a basement like <laughs> i mean it's not bad but like you know you're not going to be seeing the white cliffs of dover behind me like it's just me in a room it's a lovely so, basement yeah but it's it's late at night it's like wow i look like crap and women you know, women like, should all go women should all go to pete's basement and show their belly buttons <laughs> it's 
un- that's inappropriate. <laughs> inappropriate. It's going to get a cult following. We're going to get cult status because we're too racist. <laughs> Podcast, yeah, um, podcasting from the base. Well, you know, if you shine a light in your face like I have here, you can, uh, you know, you can increase the quality of oh. the. Uh, the webcam. So, oh, look uh, at Rather. He's he's a professional. He's got lighting. He lives in L.A. He's got lighting when he's on his webcam. I have a lamp that I a gooseneck <laughs> lamp that I I, I point uh, I point out myself. Uh, Do you have a good DP, a director of photography that comes in? You know what? I'm going to show my belly button on the live stream if you're not careful. <laughs> so, uh, oh, uh, Uh-oh. yeah, Uh-oh. <laughs> I didn't actually. Do it. Uh, the- the first time uh, I did chat roulette, I was with my roommate, and it was so weird and so fun. And it was, it, you see a lot of dick, but uh, if, you, if you are prepared that that is going to happen, you can actually put your hand up on your screen if you are uncomfortable. And if you happen to think that there may be a dick in the picture, when you remove your hand, you can just click next before. But uh, we ended up talking to a French guy and we ended up, um, uh, my roommate's a musician, we ended up singing to a tattoo artist from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So that that was a neat experience. But uh, 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 Natalie, I am the French guy. Would you like me to show you my dick? It is French. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Natalie, Natalie, um, I was, uh, I, I was. There was this uh, short film that was circling the interwebs a while about chat roulette and some various, you know, uh, you know phenomenon about it and one of the things that they pointed out was that females have a much uh, easier time um chatting with people and i think uh, a female plus another person had the highest success rate for actually getting being able to engage people compared to a guy sitting by himself did you find this to be the case or i obviously i don't know if you have anything to compare to but you, you found that you were able to engage with multiple people in such yes. conversations Yes. And, um, and later on, actually earlier this week, I went on, um, and ended up, uh, chatting with a guy for, uh, 45 minutes, just about music and random things. And I think there's something almost romantic about it, even if it's not, uh, sexually romantic, but it's, you're talking to a complete stranger who you can see and whether you're actually talking or whether you're chatting by typing in that you don't know each other, that if you clicked out of the box, you would never talk again. There's something really neat about that. And it's totally, um, excites all of my, uh, romantic uh rom-com kind of plot fantasies in my brain so i it it was really it was fun it was exciting to do that um once you got past all of the potential guys beating off (laughs) (laughs) but you have to you have to weed your way through uh it's almost like you know full circle here right the idea of uh blinky's definition in the article of cult entertainment was that it was obscure and that it took work to see you know you had to go you had to trade on uh you had to trade on the uh fan sites for bootlegs or something like this in this you're saying that it takes work to get to a good chat roulette natalie because you have to wade through a, a swamp of 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 penises right and and also uh 
it's exciting in that anything can happen and the spontaneity of, well, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to share? And I found that in all of the conversations I had, we ended up passing back and forth um, either websites or music or videos or playing music out loud. And it was just, okay, we're sitting at our computers. How can we entertain each other? And it was really neat. It was a neat experience to do that. And um, and I may do it again. See, if, Natalie, the way you described that, right, if, if I had some confidence that I could really get those best aspects of the chat roulette experience with some reliability, I would be quite inclined to try it out, which leads me to think of this. Now, I don't know what the business idea or the operation is behind this, but it seems very logical that uh, the, the – what they need to do to make this more mainstream acceptable is to, you know, have a clear system for opting in or opting out of adult slash genitalia content where, right. you know, everyone agrees that, okay, this is the wang zone and this is the non wang <laughs> zone, which I think they, they do have an option that you can click, uh, out of, uh, adult content. And occasionally you click next and it, the screen will be completely blacked out, which I assume is somewhere in the internet. Someone saw a dick and flagged it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> That's an amusing image. <laughs> Physically put a flag. If you it. like it, then you should put a flag on it. All the single Johnsons, all the single Johnsons, all the single Johnsons, all the single Johnsons. This is what happened last time we started talking about chat roulette. It quickly devolved into us making penis jokes. And here we are again. And look how much fun it is, though. This is the most entertaining podcast that we've done in three episodes. Um, no, I, I, uh, I like the one that we did last week when Pete and I were basically totally high from exhaustion. Yeah. See, that was great. You guys, you guys had a great show. Yeah. We didn't get any comments on it for like three days. I was worried that. Yeah. I was, was worried watching. too, that the audience was not, was not into it. Yeah. I'm worried yeah. too, that my cold is putting a damper on this, uh, on this whole show. Um, but, but I, maybe we, maybe we could go on chat roulette now and, uh, we could go on chat roulette now and just chat some people. Oh my! Uh, as the overthinking it podcast. Though, how does though, that? How does that? How do you do that? Well, I I would go on the web browser and we'd play oh. it through the, uh, you know, we'd play it, it through the video so, stream. So our audio will go through to whoever's talking to us, and then that audio we will receive that. Yeah, but I, you certain- know, the only video I can send is video of me sitting here with my headset on, which is not a. Uh, That's not the only video you can send. You could stand up. <laughs> <laughs> you could just have a picture of of, uh, of uh, Senka Coffee um, from Cool Running. It's up there on the <laughs> right. top of the page. Keisha, I are you do doing the, this the, right now? The Keisha thing. No, I, I don't think we should do it. I think the uh, oh. I think we should not broadcast any wangs over our video feed. Oh, fair enough. Wait, I'm okay. Fair enough. Fine. People are wang cowards. It's, you know, it's something you haven't seen at the at the public park. All right, guys. So, 
You all well, have, I don't know what kind of public parks you go to that you have in Boston, but um. uh, Boston Common has a lot of people in it that like to do things with themselves. Uh, no, it's it's just yeah. If you've ever been on the Swan boats in the summer, it's like Dick City. <laughs> <laughs> Make way for ducklings. <laughs> <laughs> Make way for dicklings. Oh man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh man. That's why they call it the public uh, pubic garden, right? <laughs> exactly. That's the Boston Common. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? Zing. I wish I was still doing Boston tours so I could uh, <laughs> bring up those gems. Right, right. Well, Beacon Hill is kind of yonic, right? <laughs> okay, a little we've, bit. We've devolved. I'm putting the lid on this podcast. <laughs> Does anyone have any parting Chilling, shots? Kill it, fire. <laughs> anyone have any parting shots that they want to, uh, you know, shoot? Yeah, sure. I've watched the first uh, six or six, seven episodes of Mad Men now. Oh, yeah. And I'm a little, I'm a little bit um, confused. Uh, one. I mean, it's a good show. It's like well put together, but it's not on the level of uh, what I would consider like a really good show. Um, there's just so many things that it does for sort of effect, and it seems every time that there's an opportunity to point out a difference between how things were then and how things are now, like it just hits that opportunity so hard. Like it's just like every every scene is like, oh, that's what the scene's about. Like scene is about how like back in the day, like people didn't have a problem drunk driving. And let's let's make that the motive force behind this scene. It's like bad history. Um, plus, you need to whole... hold out. Yeah, keep watching. Is it one of those shows that in the first season is not so good, and then it actually finds its legs and it keeps going? No, it's it's the show where at the beginning of every season it seems kind of slow and aimless, and by the end you can't stop. Oh, like The Wire. In a way. In a way, fair enough. In a way, it's like, like The season Wire. One of, like season one of The Wire. Um, and I guess so. Season. Yeah, it did take me. It took me into season two and three to really mm-hmm. become slavishly devoted yeah. to the wire. Yes, absolutely. So like they watch, like they watch nights is what you're saying. It's like yeah, they it's like watch nights. Tucky it or Tuki it in the in the chat room says it's like Dollhouse, and it's exactly like Dollhouse in that. Uh, uh, which came alive like when they thought they were going to be canceled in the first season, and again when they really were going to be canceled in the second season. Suddenly, the back half of both those seasons got interesting, whereas it had been a bunch of uh, it had been a bunch of filler uh, up to that point. By the way, speaking of canceled, the rumor is twenty four is is in, in the end of the road, uh, which makes me sad because I like that show a lot. Although we it's don't kind of have ha- time for twenty four. Talk about this right now. <laughs> we don't have time to talk about. This. <laughs> Copy that. All right, set up a perimeter. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to yeah. come back. You guys are going to think I die at the end of this podcast, but I'm going to come back next podcast with a goatee, and you won't know whether I'm the mole or not. It's going to be pretty awesome. <laughs> I don't know, Pete. You've just been going rogue this whole time. I've just yeah. you know, All bets are off with you. You know what? I don't feel bad about 24 because it's so incredibly improbable that this show has lasted this long in the first place. <laughs> so it's like, really? You know what? Oh, yeah. It's, it's had its time. Like, at the end, you just say, Dayenu. It's just be like, you know what? If we only got to do this seven times, it would have been enough. Dayenu. If Jack Bauer only stopped two American cities from being destroyed by nuclear weapons, like, it would have been Dayenu. enough. <laughs> so, hey, speaking uh, of Dayenu, uh, Passover's coming up soon. 
Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. We, we, we must mm-hmm. each time we do this podcast, we must ask ourselves why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? Uh, yep. Because tonight <laughs> we, we dip twice and eat the bitter herb. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Last night, uh, last night I was at my cousin's Irish Catholic bar mitzvah. What? 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 Um, his father is Irish Catholic, okay. mother Jewish, okay. so he had his bar mitzvah, uh, which was uh, themed. Uh, soccer slash St. Patrick's Day, and they had Irish step dancers. <laughs> nice. By the way, your live tweeting that bar mitzvah was some of the best Twitter that I've read pretty much ever. <laughs> you had the hashtag, like, what was it? Um, Cousin bar mitzvah. Cousin bar mitzvah. Yeah, it was great. It's like, oh, they're playing Purple Rain. Like, uh, oh boy. Wow. <laughs> that was really it, great. All right. It was so- pretty incredible. That's yeah no it sounds it sounds pretty incredible. <laughs> so uh, to the to the li- listeners, you can tune in next week for another for another rambling foray into random trivia about our lives and stuff we like or don't <laughs> don't like. Or we may actually. What do I tell you about this? Have some confidence. This is quality product. That we put <laughs> this out. is good radio. This is good this podcast. Is better it's... than Imus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Man. I have a cowboy hat on. <laughs> um, yes absolutely right. yeah we'll we'll be back next week uh you know you can watch the live stream sunday uh 6 15 p.m pacific 9 15 p.m eastern i will be oh actually i'll be podcasting from the east coast next week because i am i am visiting there and actually if you're in new york and you're interested in some sort of overthinking it meetup uh right in because uh, there, there's a chance that we could do something like that. Call it a con. Overthinking a con. Over, it sounds over, cooler when you call it that. Overthink con it. Uh, right in and send a photo, right, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, until, until next week, if you want to get in touch with us, you know what to do. It's podcast at overthinkingit.com or uh, the voicemail, which I think I can't offend anyone else by saying this more than we have uh, already on this podcast, 20 eat log zero one. That's 203-285-6401. And you can hear all the news about uh, cult things, about chat roulette, and whether and our experiences with with the Wang Free Zone and uh, make way for dicklings on overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. Altogether, chat room. It, it probably, probably, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve. 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 Join us. Join us and drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs>